All right, folks, welcome back to this podcast, One Man, One Tree in a Hill. I have a special guest, uh, a blast from the past, but a beautiful person in the future, ladies and gentlemen. She is, we could say that she is, we would say entrepreneur, we could say someone who has an ear and eye for talent, and we could say everything that's going right in this world. Ladies and gentlemen, all the way from Texas, Miss Jenny Von Dorden. How are you, madam? Good, how are you? I'm swell. You know, I was at a question. How do people pronounce your name, your last name down in Texas? Um, well, once I moved to New Mexico, a lot of people try to make it like Hispanic and say Van Duran. And I was like, no, not quite. <laughs> but yeah, Van Dorn. And the Dutch actually, name, right? Yes. Yeah. So I was just going to say, I grew up knowing that it was like Van kind of symbolizes Orvon from the and so it could be like from the like town of Dorn, from the like you know river people um, mountain country you know just kind of whatever the mountain people yeah von I've, I've noticed i was i was in the netherlands i was like oh man this is a dutch name oh, yeah. von Dorn, von Dorn. do you know any dutch no none <laughs> <laughs> I always joke, I'm like, I lived in Japan, but it was a cool thing to um, to learn Spanish because right. Miss McKenzie started teaching Spanish at, in middle school. And I just remember everybody wanted to take Miss McKenzie's Spanish class and she's only offering it once. So I'm like, I guess I'm not learning Japanese. Let me learn Spanish while I'm living in Japan. So. Van Dorden. Yeah, I was, I'm curious how those Southerners say it, because they probably just blame. Van Duran, party of one, <laughs> Van Duran. Uh, so uh, how to start off this, how's the pandemic affected you guys down there? How's it affected you, your place of work? How's this pandemic affected you guys? So a bit of context, I'm living in Midland, Texas, and Midland and Odessa, Texas are, um, is oil country. So with the pandemic, with the pandemic, it also um, was a catalyst for oil prices. Just kind of, just were now in what they call a bust. So once I moved here, things were doing really well as far as the um, oil and gas economy, and then pandemic hit, and then now we're kind of in a bust. So a lot of people um, have been laid off. And a lot of people are also, uh, people are just trying to downsize and pivot and go to the next thing. But that's um, true to form for Midland Odessa because there's, they'll go through booms and busts. However, it hasn't also been like joined with a global wide pandemic. So it's a lot, it's just sad to see like people just having to, leave and also something that they've like worked hard for just literally not having a choice but to just leave the area so there's that and then a double whammy of working in the entertainment industry i always joked that at the beginning of the year i had the coolest job and then within three months it was like not the job to have as far as uh bringing mass gatherings together <laughs> wow so currently in texas we're at 50 percent as of august 2020 as far as um, capacity for public spaces. So we have a couple things lined up and we're trying to get creative. And I've enjoyed watching all of the comedy that you're doing in New York because I feel like people, it just is 
provides hope for me that people are still gonna come out and enjoy that quality live entertainment, but then also follow the measures that we need to do to keep people safe as far as social distancing, wearing masks and all that good stuff. It seems like people want people want to be outside, you know? And I don't know, but in Texas, you guys have what we call space. So, <laughs> <laughs> so like you could be inside your house and not have, you know, have a lot of space, but a lot of New Yorkers, I see a lot of just musicians just out there and we're, we're not competing with the musicians, but we're kind of trying to tell them like, all right, you guys, you guys need to wrap it up around, <laughs> wrap it up around 7.30 for comedy. But I see a lot of musicians just out here and people are just wanting to be outside and just be entertained, you know? Exactly. So I can see somebody in Texas having a big old tent somewhere and spacing out. And right now it's hot. So we're in like a period of like 10 days where it's a hundred degrees or higher. Sweet Jesus. So going through that. And so we have a really, really nice, beautiful facility that I work at. It's a performing arts theater. And so we do have space in there. So that is one thing that is kind of nice is you'll be able, um, our community will be able to soon come in and be socially distanced inside air conditioning and with live talent on the stage. So we're looking forward to that. Wow. What type of talent is it all? Does it stretch or do you guys have like specific genre that you guys focus on? We do a little bit of everything though. Um, basically we're kind of in the middle. So if somebody's just coming up, we could probably get them, but then once they've like hit that uh, becoming really famous trajectory, that's kind of <laughs> where we fall off. And then um, also people just kind of artists who are not necessarily putting out new music, but want to tour on um, music that maybe was famous a couple decades ago. So since I've been here, we've we've I've seen so many things everything from um kind of the greats like of uh, frankie valley gladys knight we've had Love diana that. ross like yeah and tons of rock um so uh foreigner um chicago zz top so just a little bit of everything and then we also have a eight show broadway series so the things that you would see in new york um, and if they choose to go on tour, that touring cast travels across the United States and sometimes globally as well. And so we get uh, typically eight um, shows out of that a year. And then we also have like an in-house symphony and in-house ballet. So we have Ventriloquist. We uh, had Jeff Dunham last summer. Oh, wow. We do a ton of comedy this year. <laughs> We've like, uh, unfortunately had to cancel and or postpone so much comedies we had like a sold out kevin james show that was supposed to happen and um we also have like uh fluffy we've done uh chris rock we've done george lopez like literally anything and everything so what would you say what would you say is the best live concert you've seen live stand-up you've seen and live do you guys have magicians yes Magicians actually give really good shows. They're actually way better. They actually have the crowds rocking faster than any other platform I've ever seen before. It is. It's fast paced and also like they, I feel like have to be kind of in tune with the crowd and even, and also do some very like highly technical things to make sure that they stay safe during their stunts. So. 
And they're super funny too. Like most of them are very like funny and witty. Yes, agreed, agreed. So I started working in the entertainment industry in 2008. And so we're yeah going on like 12 years now. And that was throughout college and grad school. So the best concert that I've ever personally attended as a fan has to be the Foo Fighters concert that I saw Ooh. in Austin. And if there's any Foo Fighters fans, I saw the Austin set of their Sonic Highways album. So they did like a nine, nine single studio album called Sonic Highways where they just kind of focused in on, and it was an HBO special that David Letterman produced and um, it was like they went to New Orleans, they went to Chicago, they went to Nashville, they went to DC, they and they also came to Austin, and then they also did I think Seattle and kind of like Northern LA, and so they interviewed these people who really shaped the music scene in that city, and then wrote a song about it. So um, for the Austin one, like they had Gary Clark Jr. come out and perform with them and Jimmy Vaughn, who's Stevie Ray Vaughn's older brother. So that was just really incredible to see. And Dave Grohl just puts on one hell of a show and it lasted like three and a half hours. And I swear that my like ears were ringing days after. It was just so loud, but it was so fantastic. So that was best show I've seen as a fan. And then um, best show that I've ever worked would be, um, there's a lot of them because there's a lot of people who just surprise you who are just true entertainers that you know are going to be around forever or this is why they've been around forever type of deal um but i'd probably say the most memorable and special one was uh garth brooks and i always say garth brooks and trisha Yearwood are like the Mark nicest Smith. famous people i've ever met <laughs> and they were just so um humble and caring and they, we did i actually went back to work the show um while after i'd already graduated but came back to work the show at new mexico state because my mentor barbara hubbard um asked if i if i would like to come and help her out and i was like oh yeah and so we had three days five shows it was like 2.4 million dollars in ticket sales it was just like outrageous and Garth, like, and Trisha knew everybody's name that were working kind of behind the scenes. And it was just so nice to see that they cared because typically people are just kind of, it's more transactional sometimes with artists. So they just really put in an effort to kind of get to know the, like, people that they're working with and also get to know the kind of the community culture. So I was just super impressed with them. And the show was just fantastic and getting to see it multiple times a row was also really cool how does it feel when you're working versus being a fan is it like everything's running in your head like i gotta do this i gotta do this or can you take a moment and be like mm, there's some good music there i feel like there's tough it's a it's a dichotomy between you want to be professional but then it's also like man this is a job that people don't have and I always joke too that when I found out I could get paid to um, help put on concerts I was like I need that job so <laughs> <laughs> like rerouted uh, my college experience and changed my major so that way I could 
um, be in the music industry and it's definitely worked out but it's it's hard and one of the promoters I work with told me maybe a few um a few years back because once I moved to Midland Odessa they were doing basically up until March of this year we were doing about 200 shows a year so when you're doing three to four shows a week it it's hard not to just also kind of be in that transactional mode but one of the um promoters that I work for he said something like how's the show and I was like oh the fans seem to love it because also in my office I have like a tv that runs a live feed from the show and you can see like a version that's closer up on stage then you can see a more panned out version so you can kind of see the crowd better and he's like you didn't go in and watch it did you and I was like no you yeah. really need to it helps keep you grounded this is a, a like industry that not everybody gets to participate in and you get to be a part of like that magic for somebody for you know 60 to 90 minutes and that's a memory and experience that's gonna stick with someone and so why not be a part of that because you helped bring them there type of deal so that kind of changed my uh like yeah view on making sure that i'm don't get jaded and go in and enjoying the moment you're like in the matrix a little bit yeah you get to take the needle out your head well that yeah you know you just get inside the matrix let's let's go back before we get to the jenny that we have now let's go all the way back and find out how we got to this jenny where are you from where were you born so i'm from kansas from wichita and in 98 my mom started working for the Air Force and I Let's go was, back to before 98. Let's go back to before 98. So you're in Wichita, Kansas, right? Mm -hmm. What is, what's a big, what is a two-parent household, one-parent household? What's it like in Kansas? What are your early memories of Kansas? Uh, I grew up in um, a single mom household. My parents divorced in, when I was in kindergarten. I have, oh a younger brother and I'm pretty sure that my younger brother's older than your sister he's born in 92 so like we're about a year and a half apart and so um yeah my mom was just very marketing oriented and my mom and dad had a, a joint marketing and publicity company that once they divorced they ended up kind of dividing that um, company my mom started working for the Air Force instead. And that was really cool because I just, it really just changed my life, I think, for the better. Because I always joke like some, and I don't know if you feel this way too, like sometimes I'm envious of people I've met later in life when they're like, I've been friends with this person, you know, since elementary school. Or I went to a school like, literally it took till college to go to a school for four years and that's <laughs> the longest I have yeah. attended one school so once my mom got with the air force I feel like just our it allowed her to provide for us in a way that a traditional job may not have because we were able to travel and we um did you understand like, that? Like when you say, so if you're five, five, when your parents get divorced, 
what were your, do you have memories of them being together? Do you ever have those type of memories? No, I'm shaking oh, wow. my head no. Yeah. Really? So, um, no family mine, pictures at all of you being small and then at all? No. So, um, I, I think there's like one photo. I think that my brother probably looks a year and a half and maybe I'm like three ish. Mm -hmm. That's kind of it. But my um, dad, unfortunately has had a uh, lifetime struggle with alcohol. So that kind of dynamic added to him not being around um but there's always like a tremendous amount of love and my mom always made that a point for my brother and I to recognize and feel that love and just basically explained it in a way that something that's beyond him now I know alcoholism as a disease but something beyond him is is uh preventing him to be the fullest human and dad that he could be type of deals. So my mom, I think, did a really good job of explaining that to us so that way we could do our best to maintain a relationship but also have boundaries. So we, obviously, my brother and I definitely have like our own struggles with it, but have enough boundaries that we are able to recognize that it's not us and it's not because of us that our dad struggles with alcohol, so. Okay, so your mom, she starts, you said she, when you, the divorce happens at five, right? Mm -hmm. So you're in kindergarten. Are you, are you aware what's happening in kindergarten? Because I see like a lot of five-year-olds when they go through divorce, how they, they don't get it, but they understand it a little bit. I feel like because my dad wasn't necessarily around per se, that it didn't really um, click. And I, I really don't remember um, them being together. So I feel like there must have been prior to their divorce, there must have been um, more time apart and not as much of a family unit. So it didn't seem like it was missing out. It just was more like, okay, now my dad no longer like officially lives with us. <laughs> so that um, dynamic, which also just kind of caused my mom to, it was stressful for us. So that's also when my mom was, had kind of like a aha moment, like I need to be able to take care of these kids without like, and be able to have them in childcare. So I feel like also her working for the Air Force allowed us to go to the youth center and my brother and I just like have so many fond memories of being at the youth center and it was a safe space for us and we got to do so many things and I joke now like can't believe that they let us do everything that we did like we would create our own plays we would have host our own talent shows so it was it was very um it was very it was nurturing. She gave right, you yeah. nurturing, yeah, nurturing environment. When when she saw you were eight, when she joined the Air Force, do you have any early remembrance of like school at all? Being that young. Oh yeah, so I remember um, the first elementary school that I had gone to was uh, was just your basic public school, and then once. We, my mom started working for the Air Force. We went to the school that 
filtered on base. It wasn't actually on base, but it was right next to base housing. So all the military kids went there. And then as, a, as we all know, such a small world. So uh, that's where I met um, Shantae Posey. And so- Oh, wow. Yeah, so Shantae and I- In Kansas? Yeah, so we grew up together. Yeah. Wow, what a small world. So we were in Girl Scouts, and actually she was her, um, I can't remember if it was her mom or, or, excuse me, her dad or her stepdad, but one of them was supposed to go to Kadena when we were in fifth grade, and when my mom told me that we were going to Japan, and then Shantae was moving to Ohio, I was like, what? Shantae's supposed to be moving <laughs> So that was pretty funny. And then I also met um, Kyle Williams in Kansas. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So we were <laughs> on uh, a soccer, we were on the same soccer team. So, and our brothers were in the same classes. And so our families have been friends forever. And like, literally, we moved in July and they moved in November to Yakota. Yeah. So. Kansas, and that was, when I say Kansas, that's the only accent I can think of is his thick accent. I know. <laughs> that was somebody from Kansas. Like, big like, country. Yeah. Yes. Like, Man, where are they from in the South? They're like, Kansas. And that's when I was like, oh, these are Midwest people. Okay. Yes. Oh, all right. They're sort of just like us. Yeah, exactly. So. Well, public school, like, do you, so what's, what was your first memories of, like, having a teacher? I noticed that sometimes that the early memories that we have, it kind of, like, brings back us to us later. So do you remember, like, your first teacher? Cause you remember your first friend? Do you remember like your first teacher? Cause I can't remember who my kindergarten teacher is. I don't know what she looks really? like. No, I don't know what. I remember like second grade. Mm-hmm. I um I always joke that I'm also have a really good memory for um, names and faces and dates. Like to dates more future dates like calendar progression. And I. Yeah, my first teacher was Miss Bell. Her, like, she had a, not in our classroom, but she had a pet um, gray cat named Sneakers. Like, just, like, <laughs> random things that I'm like, why do I remember this? My first, like, friend out of school, her name was Lily. Like, just so many random things that I feel like, why am I holding on to these memories? But I do. <laughs> Yeah, I think I have the memories. I think because my brother was so close in age, I remember us, but I remember like my mother showed me my kindergarten yearbook and I was like, why are they calling me Mikey? So that's what they called you. I don't know why. That's what, <laughs> like, Funny. The, yeah, like Mikey, where's this name come from? So we're in, we're in Wichita, we're in Kansas, and your mom transitions to the Air Force. She doesn't go in, she's just working for him, right? Yeah, so she does marketing. So her specialty is marketing and advertising. So she was the, um, as marketing manager essentially for the base. So being in the States, there isn't as much reason I feel like for people to come on base. So she, and this later helped her to get additional careers. Um, but she started like a whole campaign, have fun on base. So mm-hmm. it was, uh, just kind of, yeah, just advertising, um, I want to say like movement, but uh, just to get people who a live on base to actually hang out on base, and then people who live off base to come on base because they obviously uh, have like you know 
movie theaters, bowling alleys, and all that stuff for entertainment, but they also have that outside of base too. So I feel like when you're overseas, it, especially like with language barriers, it's easier to do some of that stuff on base. But then when you're actually in the States, you have like an abundance of places that you can go, there isn't as much reason. And so that's kind of her specialty was creating events and awareness around everything that you could do on base. Do you see like the stress levels go down now after she starts going transitions to Air Force? You guys notice it? Do you and your brother ever like notice like, oh, wow, mom's a whole lot happier in this job? She is like just such a wonder woman when it comes to emotions. I probably could name a, maybe even less than on a hand of times I've seen my mom cry outside of like a movie. And I always joke that she has to cry so much during movies because she doesn't cry in real life. <laughs> but she's really strong and she and her she came from um, a two parent household. So she hadn't really dealt with divorce, you know, or and that was a very like her growing up a very taboo time for people to get divorced. So she didn't have a lot of friends either who had been divorced. So she, I feel like really just kind of held it together to partly I'm sure just survival for her, but then also because she wanted us to feel like supportive. And I, and I also kind of feel like it's only recently that I've even looked at my mom as like, a human because I feel like she just always seems to be on top of it and has like knows where things are going but it's kind of taken me to my adult years to see my mom more as a human other than this like superhuman. That's crazy how it happens now as we get older we start looking at their lives and analyzing like oh wow they were doing extraordinary things. Mm -hmm. Time to look back on it. So we're in, we're at six years old. We just left and now mom's in the, well, eight, mom's in the mom's working for the Air Force and you start going to base. What's that like? What's it like meeting these other, these X-Men kids or meeting kids that are just bouncing around? Because I say that military kids are kind of different because there's like times where their dads are, and parents are gone for like years and there's like a random aunt raising them. Like, who's this? I don't know, man. This <laughs> the lady raising them. All right, cool. I think it was it was awesome because I just feel like it it yeah military kids are definitely like a special breed and I feel like also just like so welcoming so moving going to a new school it was you got like really fast friends so Shantae and I were in the same third grade class and I like very vividly remember being like okay she's now like one of my best friends growing up and so um, and then her being like so like here, meet this person, this person, this person, because she had been going to that school for longer than I had. And everybody, yeah, just being more used to transitional, like, things, um, like, transitional, like, people in their lives and not necessarily thinking, like, oh, I'm not going to be friends with them because they might only be here for a year or whatever, or they haven't been here forever or something. And then once I... Um, moved back to the states from Japan. I went to a regular public school, and it was people already kind of had their cliques. Like first of all, it was a high school, so <laughs> you had that like component compounded with people didn't really understand that you could be you could live overseas as an American, and so I um, very 
have very vivid memories of people are like, oh yeah, we have a new student from Japan. Her name's Ginny and me standing up and everyone's like, who's this white girl? <laughs> <laughs> like what? You're from Japan? What? Japan, so. huh? <laughs> exactly. So when do you guys, so when do you leave Kansas? When does, when does that happen? You're in third grade. You just meet your first friend, you meet Shantae, and you know how most military kids are very welcoming because they don't have that territorial thing of, this is my friend since when? It's like, we don't care. We just <laughs> make friends fast. So we do there. When do you leave? Fifth grade or? Yes. So oh, left really? fifth grade. Yeah. And so we left in 2000, July 2000, and then um, ended up going to uh, Yakota East for sixth grade. And that was like the last sixth grade class. Oh, but, so you went to Japan. So right after Kansas, you went straight to Japan. Yes. What exactly. was the talk like when your mom sat you guys down and said, hey, this is the move for us? Do you remember that talk? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because like I said, like Shantae had just shared that like her family is going to go to Japan. And I was like, Shantae's moving to Japan, not me. Like, what? And I'm like, you can't move there. Like, people just don't move to overseas. I just did not understand it. So I was pretty apprehensive and didn't realize like how um, much of a blessing it was going to be because I was really excited to go to um, the sixth grade center in Wichita. So I was just stoked <laughs> and we like had done our field trip, like all of this stuff. And I was like, what, we're moving? So that was just, yeah, just definitely a um, whirlwind on top of like a culture shock because though I had been introduced to base life, moving like into, moving actually on base was just another level and then moving to a foreign country obviously was crazy as well. And nobody in my family had ever lived like overseas. And so, and that was like, the internet was just kind of becoming a thing. That's so, yeah. What did your family say? Like your aunts and uncles, what do they say? Are you from like a giant, are you a big family out there? Yeah. So my, both of my parents are, my dad has four siblings and my mom has five. And so every, it would be funny because when I come back to the States and hang out with like cousins and stuff, they're like, Oh yeah, this is my cousin from Japan, whatever. And then people are like, like just not believing they're like, oh my God, I thought you just said from Japan. And she's like, yeah, I did. So, so that was like, again, another level of, and I think partly just being in Kansas, like a lot of people just end up kind of staying their trajectory of wherever they were born and kind of staying that path. And a lot of my friends um, pre uh, getting my mom starting to work for the Air Force, like say, they all stayed and still lived there and um yeah just kind of did I know traveled but also like never to really outside of Kansas as far kind as of like landlocked Kansas. you notice yeah. that some of them are kind of landlocked where they're just like no nah, I've been here my whole life all right cool you do you <laughs> do you remember the smell when you got off that airplane when you finally get to Japan do you remember that because everyone has a memory about the smell when you get off there it's just something different in the air I think probably because we lived on the east side so I feel like probably that uh trash because <laughs> uh to provide context for your listeners um 
there is not space for landfills, so they burn all of their trash, and there happened to be like a burn facility like right off base. So you smell it too. I was like, man, what's that smell? It's like, man, welcome to Japan. I was like, all right, cool. That's it. That's it. Yeah, and I just remembered just like being kind of so exhausted because prior to that, the only trip that we had ever been really on a plane was we went to Florida, and that was the extent. <laughs> it was just yeah just a lot of new things but um then yeah then again just thankful that I was in an environment where everybody was like so welcoming and being on base so it's like if you if you want to move and already know that people are going to like be there and be helpful and want to see you do well like just so genuinely and a large amounts of people I feel like move on base <laughs> and move with the military because that's the way to do it I think it's only like that with overseas kids because people that I meet around like life they don't have these experiences like what base kids what I was like oh you probably, probably didn't go off base huh and they're like oh we stay we're in like Georgia or anything else yeah it's completely different True. you're in a foreign country so you get to Japan right you get there you're in fifth grade you're officially 12 you're 11 turning 12 Who's the first person you meet or the first, do you, what's your first memory of like meeting someone? Um, I feel like Alora uh, Bellinger stands out the most cause we, she lived in my tower. So I, and both my brother and I were in elementary school. And so I saw that she was walking to school and I asked if we could walk with her. Even though my mom had like walked us like the, we like did a practice like walk to school the day before but it's still like scary and she was like yeah you can walk with me and she's this um only child so well she has two older half siblings but she's only child at that time and so uh yeah she walked with my brother and i and alora and i alora has been like one of the best friendships i've had in my life and we even um later lived together as adults while she's going wow. through grad school in Austin. So Laura, the first person you meet and then you bond. So what was your teacher's name when you get there, when you get to, cause I never was at Yakota elementary school, but everyone yeah. had these memories about how fun it was, how they were split by West side and East side. Mm -hmm. like gangs and, or something like that yes and it's so funny because people would say something and you're like oh you're a westsider <laughs> you don't have all the nice things that we have like oh, okay keep your popeyes on your west side like good for you you better but, come uh, to the movie theater on this side like, oh freak i do gotta go over there which <laughs> is funny so um we um yeah, so my first teacher, her name was Miss James, and she was also my first black teacher, and she was just the, I don't know, just so cool and so awesome. She must have been in her 20s, because I just remember being like, I wanna, and her first name's Raquel, and I'm like, I want to be Raquel James when I grow up. Like, she just was fantastic about um, keeping people, like, keeping it real, I feel like. Because that was something that it didn't feel like when she would, I guess, kind of point out if somebody was misbehaving, you're just like, oh, shit, like, I don't want to, like, disappoint her, you know what I mean? And I feel like some teachers, it's just like, whatever, everybody might get in trouble, but with her, it just felt like you're like, 
you had a, I don't know, an understood contract that like you needed to behave. And if you didn't, it was like personally disappointing her. And um, she taught, she just taught, uh, I can't even remember exactly what she taught. I want to say she taught like language arts or something like that. But I just thoroughly enjoyed having her and just felt like she's one of the, I think we all kind of go through um, times where everybody, where you think like, oh, I could be a teacher. And she's like one of the people who I thought like, this seems cool, I could be a teacher. Isn't it crazy how different adults influence us throughout life? Like even yes. your first experience with a nice teacher or your first experience with someone else. So did you like notice? You're just like, oh, wow, I'm a black teacher. Or you're just like, oh, wow, this is new. Well, because in Kansas, as you can imagine, there's like, it's predominantly um, white at the time that I was like growing up. And then even being on base um, or going to the school that was like the base feeder school, I can't remember. I can't remember any like non-white teachers. There may have been, but I didn't personally have them as a teacher. And so it was like my first time having a teacher of color. And I just felt like I'm looking back at I'm just thankful for the opportunity for diversity that moving overseas allowed because it just instilled, I don't know, just, um, I don't know, just more, I'm, try, I'm trying to find the words, like just that there's more out there than the world that you may have been born into. And just because you're born into that particular world doesn't mean that that's, you have to stay in there, stay in that, you know, those boundaries because that's just how things are type of deal. So we're in, we have, we have Laura. When do you start meeting like different friends? Like what's it like when you get inside the classroom? Cause there's probably some colorful people inside there. And oh yeah. Classroom. Who do you meet next after that? Um, so I don't know if you know all of these uh, folks cause I, cause I can't remember. Cause I feel like my memories of you come from middle school yes, and yes. sports and not necessarily, not elementary school. Cause I was really good friends with um, Keisha Tuck and Jasmine James. And I'm pretty sure Jasmine did not go to go to middle school. I think she left after sixth grade. And then um, I get then probably one of the most pivotal friendships that's like, I, know and love and just super defining um was when i met desiree like sixth grade going into seventh grade at keisha tuck's birthday party oh, which wow. yes this is her birthday is in august and i think that her her birthday is coming up i need to check facebook but at keisha's birthday party i met desiree and desiree had like already started going to um, Yakota East and for like a few months and because she was stationed her parents were stationed in Travis like so she knew so many people from California so she knew Dania Nixon she knew like other um, other folks who had previously been at Travis so she already had like built-in friends and I was just like oh okay she already kind of has her group but for whatever reason we just like really hit it off and now it's like 20 or like 19 years of friendship. Jesus Christ. That's a long time, right? Yeah. That's crazy. You met at a birthday party. Mm -hmm. Thank you remember you the first that. thing you guys said to each other? Just like, hi. Or... 
I have no idea, but I just remember just thinking like, I'm like, I want to be her friend. And then like, then start of seventh grade, we were just inseparable and remained that way. And um, yeah, I was in, I was Desiree's maid of honor. We, I visited her in Hawaii, like, yeah, you name it. So um, she's just been such a tremendous friend and I and her parents are a second family to me I always joke I see her parents more because they live in Oklahoma City so as I drive from Texas to Kansas to visit my family I always stop in and have dinner or stay with her parents on the way so yeah I think we used to nickname you guys the executive branch that was our nickname for you guys yeah these are the only girls that we know that do almost every sport Every sport <laughs> and got the best grades and got the best grade and got the best grades. Yes. yes. Um, yeah, we used to call. I was like, that's the executive branch, man. You can't stop these. Are, these are the smartest people we know. I know. It was insane. I was uh, joking actually this morning with my boyfriend. I was like, I was, I've been overly involved in school since like seventh grade because they're like, um, have the white tiger ambassadors for like people who just moved to Yakota and started going to middle school. So it's like, okay, let's join that. Let's join peer mediation. Let's join volleyball. We don't know how to play volleyball. We're <laughs> and like play soccer, play like be in band and do all these things. And, everything. I was like, man, these, yeah. I was like, these, I was like, these chicks just, they do everything. I was like, man, they're, <laughs> they're and they got the smartest grades. I forgot. I was like, man, I was like, I forgot who I was talking to. I think I was talking to uh, Stanley. I was like, did you study for your test? He said, nah, but I'm gonna go ahead and cheat off Jenny. That's what I'm about to do. And we were just sitting like, what a great decision. That is actually a good decision, Stanley. He's like, yeah, I'm gonna cheat off her, man. She can't tell who's behind. <laughs> yes. I know, but it's just like, it was, I'm so fortunate for that opportunity because then going back to state side high school, seeing how competitive people are and also really having to choose like, okay, these are the extracurriculars. And I remember to getting to high school and um, being an ROTC and first sergeants, like you have to choose, you have to choose. And I'm like, well, are you not gonna have Desiree and I in ROTC? I don't think so. Like, <laughs> let us go to soccer practice and leave like minutes <laughs> early, please first sergeant. First sergeant was my neighbor. Really? <laughs> he was my neighbor. Oh, so funny. And he would always yell at me because he's all like, you in school are not the person you are outside of school. Because he would always see my dad yell at me outside. Like, Get in this house. I was like, oh, freak. <laughs> <laughs> he'd be all like, you're in trouble again. I was like, yeah, I'm pretty much grounded again, man. If you had to... <laughs> I asked him one time to write a letter to get me out of punishment. And he looked at me in my face and said, get out of here. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I can totally see him saying that. I got two married. I remember I first met you in 2001 when I moved out there. And uh, I was like, my name's Money. And she goes, oh, all right. And I was like, man, these people are so accepting here. I just told him my name was Money. He's like, well, his name is Paper. So, yeah. Yes. <laughs> You know, I was joking with Desiree. I was like, do I say hi, money? I was like, I've never called Jared, Jared to his face. I don't think so. It's always been money. I was in Daytona Beach, right? And I ran into this dude from Yakota and this guy was yelling, money, 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 money. <laughs> and I was like, why the freak is this dude? And, and then my friend's like, this dude's getting close to you. And I was like, I don't know who this dude is, man. And then he gets up and I was like, oh, freak, what up, man? And he's like, you don't remember your nickname? <laughs> 
I was like, oh, freak, I forgot about it. Carla says that all the time. So we yeah. text almost every once a week. Money, 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 money. I was like, I forgot I made that whole thing. <laughs> And my oh, persona. Yeah. The whole persona, because I remember some adult walked up to my dad and goes, oh, whose parent are you? She goes, I'm Jared's parent. She goes, oh, okay, cool. And he goes, you don't know Money Waters? He goes, what's his, <laughs> my last name is Waters. What is his, what does he call himself? She said, yeah, that's Money. That's Money Waters. I was like, yeah, you could just come up with your own persona here, make it all up. And yeah. I have another memory, because you're an SGA, right? And I remember, yes. you don't know if you did this, but you lit a fire under Garrett. You walked over to us, we're all eating. And uh, you said, you said, you know, Garrett, you've, you've won three years in a row for best dress. It's kind of close. I don't know if you're going to make it this year. <laughs> well, just, you know, between like, yes, CSGA and also like yearbook just got to stir the pot, I guess, sometimes. And I think like that year I ended up getting like most friendly. <laughs> I remember to this day, I talk to him probably, I, we talk almost every day because he's a, he's a music producer. So we exchange stuff and he goes, yeah, man, seven years in a row, I was best dressed. <laughs> he was, he he's always fly, always fly. And I feel like too, that, cause that's not a um, quality that like, I feel like I got from my family about like, just my mom always says like, look and act like you're going to have dinner with the queen later that day but uh it so it's like always be presentable but I feel like once I moved to Yakota I'm like damn like people take it's the next level and we were like when we were in school it was like all about like just matching and having like pristine white tennis shoes <laughs> I had like five different Cortezes I had like Cortezes yes <laughs> and now I'm like so obsessed. I remember just like we were like, man, because Garrett, because um, sometimes I'm always just like scrolling on uh, Instagram. I was like, oh, freak, there goes Jenny, and then Garrett's like, yeah, Jenny. He goes, always just down to earth, cool, no problem with blacks. <laughs> Thank you. And I was like, man, she was. I was like, dang. I was like, we're not cool. He was, and I'm sitting there thinking, I was like, dang, I should just hit up Jenny and say what up. Cause I guess sometimes in life we're always just scrolling through like, Oh look, she's doing well. Instead of just being like, Hey, what's up? How's everything? I know. That's why I'm trying to get better at like, at least with like Facebook, um, just like making more of an effort to like see people's pages instead of just, yeah, mindlessly like being like, yeah, they're doing good. All right. And so glad to see it. And somebody, um, I was getting my hair done and somebody had said something like, well, there's no reason to go to a um, high school reunion anymore because Facebook just has that. And I was like, that makes me so sad to think that way. And uh, Alora, Denia, and I ended up going to the Yakota reunion that Ashley um, put on in, um, Was in, that Vegas. in Vegas. Yeah. And so, like, that, say it again, sorry. I think my brother went. Oh, I didn't see E. He, went he, he only went one day, though. He went one oh, okay. day. He just happened to be passing by. He goes, man, these, 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 these man, they're wilding out out here, man. <laughs> yeah, well, there's, like, a ton of older people, like, and they're probably like, what? Uh, but they, like, graduated in early 2000s when we were, like, still in elementary school and stuff. So I was like, well, I, we, our, crops, our paths did not cross while we were at Yakota, but they were just, like, they were all in. 
And it's so it weird just, too because when we think about how old they are, they're only like probably three years older than us. Yeah, but see, I have no like, memories with them. I was like, no, I don't remember you at all, sir. I remember <laughs> your dad. All right, cool. I guess. <laughs> okay, right. Yeah, so, so it's like you you check it, you check in on random checking on people, and I usually I bump into people. I'm always bumping into people. Dania, yeah. we we bumped into each other when I was getting my oil changed in Florida. What? That is so funny. Me and my lady, I think, yeah, me and my lady, we were sitting there and I was changing my car. I was about to drive up to New York and then I just looked at her. And I was like, hey, hey, I think she's with her boyfriend at the time. And I was like, what up, what up, hey. And I sometimes I feel bad, I like, let's get a picture. And I was like, are you picture ready? Like, F it, let's do it. And we sat there, we bumped into each other. I bumped into Lysel when we we're in Orlando. So like, I'm always just like, every time I sit in everything, I was like, yeah, let me see who I can bump into. Well, I feel like in Florida, I'm so jealous of um, y'all and everyone who was in Florida and still is in Florida, like, because everybody's paths cross more, because, like, Jonica's in Florida, Courtney was in Florida for a while, so. Yeah, it was Florida, it was Texas, it was, I have a memory of, oh, don't say I forgot her name, I gotta edit this, but it was, uh. It was, uh, she dated Comkit. I forgot what her freaking name was. Me and Gary were just talking about her. She had like an older sister. Well, we were in Germany. When we went to Germany, she walks up and I'm like, what up, what up? And she goes, all right, because every time you go to meet up, there's like a, an a, a unspoken agreement where wherever city you're from, we take you out and we're hanging out in that city. And I remember she introduced us to the, she just brings like 15 girls out of nowhere. And then she goes, Jared's from Japan. He knows how to have a good time. He can party till 6 a.m. <laughs> He's cool. <laughs> and I was like, what? I was like, what? That's how you introduced me? And she goes, don't worry. You'll be fine. My friends are going to take care of us. And it was just loads of food and everything else. And they're like, yo, how long? I was like, yeah, man, she's been showing us a great time, man. So it's like every time I just bump into these random people, sometimes like comedy shows, somebody, somebody, I forgot what her name is. I never met her before. Her name is Tiana. And she goes... I know your best friend. And I was like, well, how do you know me? <laughs> and then she was like, I'm Shamar, I'm Shamar's first girlfriend. I was like, oh, freak, hey. <laughs> Bringing it back. <laughs> I was like, first girlfriend? And she goes, yeah, we're like, dating in sixth grade. Yeah, that's what she told me. She's like, we dated in sixth grade. And I was like, okay. oh, freak. Because it was crazy. She she wrote me and said, I had a dream about you. And I was like, oh, freak. What? I was like, what type <laughs> Like, where's this going? <laughs> yeah, she's like, I know you don't know me. I hope it's not weird. But yes, yeah, this, this week, she goes, I had a dream about you. And I was like, freak, hold on. I had to make sure I was trying to figure out where I remember somebody from. And then she's all like, I had a dream about you and Shamar. I was like, how do we know each other? And I was like, oh, freak, yeah, yeah. So I get all these stories of like bumping into people and stuff. And freaking Jonica, her little baby. And I remember it was Dana. Dana lived in Tampa as well. Oh, yeah. So we were just hanging, we were hanging out all the time and stuff like that. And I remember her just like <laughs> curse, cursing, cursing me out. And Leroy, Leroy, oh, freak, there's a lot of people in you. I didn't even notice. Yes. There's so many people. I've always been jealous of everybody who's in Florida and getting to see everyone and hang out. Some people don't know I'm there in New York. And then they'll say stuff like, hey, come out. I'm on Staten Island. I was like, yeah, that's not New York, man. That's way... Uh, <laughs> Or I'm in the Hamptons. Can you come by? I'm like, freak, that's not New York, man. I live in New York City. I'm, like, I'm in the hub of New York. So, Yakota, we leave Yakota, right? You have, you meet your friend. So, you meet your friend Desiree, you meet Laura. And 
What's the news when you leave? What, what are your big, well, I'll, let's do this one. We'll save this one. I just, I started doing this new segment on the podcast. What's your best memory? What's your worst memory? And what is your funniest memory about being in Yakota? A memory you'll never forget. Yeah, I feel like best memory, so... worst memory, funniest memory, memory you'll never forget. Um, geez, I, I don't know. I just feel like there's so. I feel like freshman year of high school was just so much fun because um, I was also really good friends in with Angel Lopez, and um, also uh, I was like just so obsessed with Kyle um, <laughs> middle school and uh, high school and like things got a little bit more serious with Kyle and I in freshman year and so that was fun and I was also cheerleading and then also um, like Desiree Angel and I were like in charge of color guard that year so it just kind of seemed like everything was coming together kind of felt like and yeah, it was just, I feel just so much fun. And it just seemed cool because like after seeing everybody, because our middle school and high school were right next to each other. So like being two years in the middle school and then once being in eighth grade and it's like, oh, all of your friends are now in high school and uh, being able to rejoin everyone was so much fun. And then uh, worst memory, because I don't know when you moved in 2001, but worst memory I think was September 11th. Oh man. And that was just really altering and scary because there were, because we weren't able to get in touch with family for like days because like phone lines were down and, and just too much traffic and stuff because you had to, I don't, I don't know, always seemed like it kind of took forever to like call internationally at that point and then funnier memories I feel like there's just so many but I definitely um I really loved bringing it back to how Jared and I would um our connection like just summer flag football season was also so much fun because um I was like the direct cheerleading, part of the direct cheerleading team for Jared's flag football team. And prior to that, it was, we weren't really, cause I think like in sixth grade, you were more generic. So you weren't necessarily tied to a team per se. It was just like, oh, like, I don't know, cheerleading group A is gonna cheer for, you know, basketball B or whatever it is and it would switch so that was like really fun to just kind of have that dynamic and also they let us travel together <laughs> and so i feel like just being those bus rides like we did so many bus rides like all across mainland japan um to go play at other bases and just yeah i feel like it was just fun and we all had like our own kind of like summer group and then it was fun going to back to school because it was like oh yeah we became friends over the summer and people are like how do you know like all these cool boys how do you know Garrett and paper and money and Prashad y'all <laughs> are all older and I'm like oh I cheerlead for their team <laughs> so and 
So I feel like, yeah, just bus rides with everyone because that was always just like so much fun because you just got to connect in a different way because you're like spending yeah, two hours at a time or what have you with um, people that you may not have otherwise. So that was fun. Yeah. So those memories, those memories, I say that because the reason why we do this activity, because your memories always activate someone else's memories, you know? So the memory that you, I remember 9-11. I remember 9-11. Uh, actually, I remember all of your, not all of your memories, but some of the memories, because I came in my eighth grade year. So that's mm -hmm. when like, things were like changing. But I remember 9-11, all the base was shut down. Everyone yes. with uh, these, they have guns and they're driving around with four wheelers and stuff yes. like that. And I remember people were protesting outside the base. But I remember TV because AFM was two weeks behind. Yes. So yes. we were getting all these regular shows, and then two weeks later, we're just seeing the tower. The towers it's like you're reliving it. Yeah. And that song, P-O-D, I, I feel so alive. Yes. That, that yes. song was like the theme song. I was like, man, TRL, yeah. I'll stop playing this song. Huh. Yeah, tell people these members, they're like, you guys had P-O-D out there? I was like, yeah, man, P-O-D, number one song on TRL during 9-11. Yeah. I know. It's just like such a trip and just so just crazy because we were I feel like on we were on lockdown for I don't even remember how long yeah and so it was like you had to call the military like police if you needed groceries like you were not allowed to step outside your house and they put because you lived in um a garden house right yeah, the west side. Yes. And so I lived in a tower, which is like an apartment building. And so they put up these massive barricades because you um, were able to like drive underneath the um, tower to like drop off groceries, to drop people off, whatever. And so like they had these like massive barricades at every entrance. So that way nobody could drive and leave a bomb and all that stuff. And so that yeah. was really scary. And then also it wasn't like that before, right? They said anyone could just come <laughs> on the base back in the day. So when I got that, I was like, man, this, they're like, wait. I remember it was like level D. We're on Delta. Delta means everything shuts down. I was like, oh, freak. Yeah, it was insane. And I did feel definitely like safe. But then it also there, I do also remember a ton of protests. And um, we had, and it's funny because like, this isn't a Japan thing. I feel like this was like, um, being on base and them trying to emulate like the state. So we would be on these yellow buses, but these are like <laughs> high tech buses. Yeah. Like, <laughs> they had a TV on that bus. Yes. <laughs> and like seat belts and like plastic seat coverings. So, sorry, dog. What type of dog is that? He is a um, pointer and like an English pointer. So he looks like a Dalmatian, like white with black spots. Man, those were the most fanciest buses we've ever, oh my God, there was, yes. they had CD players and stuff like that. Yes, and then the drivers like had a full on like out, like just outfit with like matching hat. Like it was, <laughs> it was not like your school bus, but I remember, uh, cause I was in seventh grade, when 9-11 happened, like they started making us get dropped off at the um, high school and walking to uh, walking to school. So that was like, cause there was literally protests going out 
side of face, like in front of our middle school. So that was like scary. There's just so many things. So I feel like that was really crazy. And then also all the bomb threats that happened after oh that. Oh my God. Oh remember my that? Freaking, I remember. <laughs> yeah. Well, and then some people. I remember. Like, I remember Omar made a bomb threat. Yes. And <laughs> it's like they wanted to like see their girlfriend or whatever. <laughs> so, <laughs> oh. Oh, the wildest stuff, the wildest. Yes. <laughs> we got to go. There's a bomb threat. And we just, and I was like, in reality, what, what, if there was a bomb, how would walking 600 yards stop a bomb from really hurting? Yeah. So to. Over here. Give some context. Like there was, there was like an actual bomb threat on base. And <laughs> from my, from like what I remember, like somebody who was, who, just had some like mental health issues had said that there's a bomb at like headquarters and so then it was like okay everybody evacuate um within like a two mile radius and then they walked us from like middle school and high school to a baseball field which i feel like is also not safe <laughs> so now we're all together <laughs> at a baseball field and but it was just you know they're doing the best that they could with the knowledge that they had and then preceding that like initial bomb threat there's just like bomb threat after bomb threat after bomb threat and it happened to be like high school and middle school kids who were trying to get out of class and got in a ton of trouble and so it was just like next level and then we started going to hangers and I was like okay, I feel a little bit more safe in a hangar so we're not just like out in the open or somebody's trying to come after us I was like, man, I was just like, I was like, yep, here goes another bomb threat. Here goes, yeah, here goes another bomb threat again. And I remember Far East that year for soccer, we were um, at Kadena and there was a bomb threat at Kadena and they were like, oh, it's because Yakota's here. And <laughs> we didn't do this. <laughs> you know, it was crazy that every base knew that. They knew like the Yakota people were just like the people that – I don't know what it was, it was, but everybody just had too much fun where everybody, I just remember memories of everybody always laughing and yeah, doing, yeah. doing something, doing something wild. Uh, the, I, the flag football, I remember because you came up to me and go, money, you got kicked out of another game. <laughs> <laughs> we all took your flag football like so seriously. <laughs> like when I came, I was like, man, like you're the fastest one. I was like, F yeah. And they're like, yep, you got kicked out, man. <laughs> I, was like, yeah, I was sitting there and I, I forgot what the lady the lady who was a coach she goes why don't you just go cheerleading coach, they don't gotta yeah, Bernowski, Crystal's mom Esther oh, yes it was that one and there was a black lady who was a coach she was like a military lady she was like the flag football coach oh yes yeah I remember Stacy telling me because I'm the biggest Mexican you ever see and I'm like what <laughs> and then you, and you're like yeah that's probably true I don't think I, <laughs> I was like what did you just say to me <laughs> I'm the tallest Mexican you ever see. I was like, I'm from the South. We got big ones down there. What are you talking about? But he said that to me. Yeah, I remember that. She's like, you should just go cheerlead right now. And I said, they don't have enough pom-poms. So I just, I'll watch. And Kyle, I remember Kyle, because we used to, that was the, I think he lived on the West Side with me. Yeah, he did, yeah. And I remember Kyle's speech, speech to us <laughs> about you. He goes, ma'am, what I deal with is just Kansas love. You don't know nothing about it, okay? So I can't take none of your advice. I can't take none of your advice. Yeah. I he gave us a speech about Desiree and your friends. 
He said, these girls lift weights. They run a lot. You got to be on your game if you're going to talk. <laughs> oh, man. I think I just hit him up and said, hey, but I remember just, I remember he, I think he lived over the side with me and him just giving, mm -hmm. giving all these guys a pre-warning speech about like, hey, uh-uh, you mess with her friends. I got to deal with it, man. I don't want to have that type of trouble. I know how you yes. boys are. Yes. <laughs> now I'm making it. The only two people from Kansas. The only two. <laughs> so you leave. You leave. What? Your sophomore. Your junior. Your junior. Yeah. Year? So I left um, towards the end of March. My uh, sophomore year. In my that mom. Like? We moved to um, to uh, in Albuquerque to. Oh, New Mexico? Yeah. So we were in New Mexico for, I ended up staying in New Mexico for eight years because I did um, undergrad and graduate school there. And then like. So what's it like leaving a school? So you're leaving, you're leaving Japan, you're leaving your friends, you're going to another place in New Mexico. What's that like in Albuquerque? Because it's, you know, just aliens out there, really. Yeah. Like it was so different um, because they had a reputation of like, a lot of um, gangs in Albuquerque and it just being a little bit more rough and then I was also expecting like more what you stereotypical think of Arizona mm -hmm. and it was a complete 180 like I think with all places that you go there's obviously going to be some element of being a little bit rough and bad sides of town but overall I think Albuquerque, like the New Mexican way is like land of manana. So people are just like laid back and cool and nice. And um, I really loved it. And it was, it's high desert climate there. So you have mountains, you have pine trees, you have all four seasons. And it's definitely a mild winter. Like it would not be uncommon for it to not snow, but it also wouldn't be uncommon for it to snow type of deal. And uh, yeah, I loved it. And it was um, a year of adjustment at first, because like what I said, everything from like, what, what was it like? Where do you because you're leaving, you're literally leaving in the middle. So who's the first person that you met? Did you meet people I, in your neighborhood or more people at school? I met somebody um, in my neighborhood who lived down the street. And so she was a senior. Mm. And uh, we also had um, uh we had newspaper together and I had accidentally signed up for a newspaper when I was in Japan. Cause I thought I was like, I'm, a, it was called journalism. And I was like, I need to be a better writer. And then it was like jokes on me. Cause it, um, the, per, the teacher, her name is Mrs. Jones. And so Mrs. Jones is like, we're, we're resurrecting like the Yakota news, like, um, uh, newspaper. And so that was the year I'm like kind of going back a little bit, but side note, like that was a year where we had like the dedications and yes. remember when Prashad like dedicated, like beautiful to Miss Kim. <laughs> like being <laughs> I remember that like it was yesterday. That's how we knew. That's how we knew who was cheating on who. Whoever dedicated Ruben Stutter, I'm sorry for 2004. Yes, gosh. <laughs> I still, I, think uh, I, I got to see. I have some pictures. I have. I think I found one of those old papers, those newspapers. 
like a box that I had home. I was like, what is this? A dedication? People just dedicate. Yes. And it was. It was <laughs> dedicated beautiful to Miss Kitchen. Yes. Yes. Snoop Dogg and Pharrell. And um, yeah. So like our. I feel like Miss Kimden was cool, but she also was very serious. Was so, so there's like sophomore or junior, like dedicating a song to her. And I feel like Miss Kimden was like, probably like, boy, you know, I have a husband. Don't be playing. So. <laughs> it's like, shut down the paper. That's what the paper Yes. And I just remember she, like our kind of like direction was just make it something that you, that you would want to read. So Miss um, Jones was like really cool about like whatever we wanted um, it was like tmz it was like the early version of tmz really <laughs> you go to high school but panther press <laughs> yeah you could like shout out other people and stuff like that you could just say here's here's this freak oh man i, did, I, I do remember that yeah because we're like people want to see themselves in the newspaper and that's what's going to make them want to like open up the newspaper so but yeah that's so much fun so i like yeah ended up meeting Fast forwarding back to Albuquerque, I ended up meeting a friend and her name was Victoria in newspaper and she also lived down the street from me and she's a senior and she was really nice. So kind of met her friends and then also kind of just met some people kind of one off the, I literally went to school for six weeks. <laughs> oh, and then <laughs> the summer hit. Yeah, and then the summer hit because I was, because once we, we had moved to Japan in July and it just seemed like forever to really like make friends because we'd go to the youth center, but also my brother and I are both um, at first shy and especially shy at that age. Mm -hmm. And we had never really, we had never lived outside of Kansas before. So I was like, I don't want to move and not have the ability to have any friends. So kind of met some, I always say too, like in, from experience like with uh, traveling with the military, like the first year is the adjustment year. And then the second year you start making like your really good friends. Mm -hmm. And so, um, yeah, by the time it was like my junior year, I was making a, more like stronger friendships and um, also Mean Girls had just come out right before I moved. So like that October, Mean Girls came out and like six months later I moved. And so it was a lot of, I was just terrified because I was like, am I going to have to eat like in the stall by myself? <laughs> and then I ended up eating with um, some young ladies who like didn't eat lunch. And I was like, well, I guess like not eating lunch is better than eating lunch in the bathroom. Like, I don't know. So just funny how things kind of just ended up working out. But I got involved in the student government um, in Albuquerque. And that's how I met like a lot of my good friends who are still good friends now. It's kind of good that you moved and you had two years to be inside of high school, you know, mm -hmm. instead of leaving your senior year. Yeah, I, one of the memorable, like just hit me in the heartstrings of your podcast was Brandy. And uh -huh. I had no idea all that Brandy went through, everything that she went through, but her sharing that she left senior year, I feel like that'd be devastating because she was at Yakota for so long. Mm -hmm. And then to literally just go somewhere and have to start over and not have those like, I don't know, high school memories with people that are, you know, 
for a longer amount of time, I guess. And those people are very good at, they're very, very good at being open. I realize people that either bounced around or are stuck in different situations are very more open to see like life differently, mm -hmm. you know? So what, what, at least you got to drive. That's what I was probably jealous of the people who left her. At least you got, you, well, you got your license, right? Did you get yeah. it at 16? So I, yeah, I turned 16 that summer that we left. And that was like, I feel like kind of my only thing that I even really got to do was I literally walked to driver's ed like three days a week. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't have like a job and I wanted to get my license and so my brother went back to Kansas for the summer because he like didn't need to work and would stay with my dad and then I would yeah just like took driver's ed and then started school. So when you're when you're in this transition phase to high school what's what's it like with your pops how does that relationship get better does he like reach out and ask like how's Japan and stuff like that? Yeah, we would probably talk to him, I, I guess, weekly. And then every summer um, while we were in Japan, we'd go stay with him for two weeks throughout mm -hmm. the summer. And there would just, because at the time I wasn't like in counseling or anything like that. So there's a lot of just trying to process my own feelings and also talking to my mom about it. And then also talking to like Desiree was always a strong support system, but then her, her dad is just phenomenal and most like the epitome of like what you hope a dad would be and so is also I know challenging she was just there to like listen because like her dad is fantastic so it's oh, that's a, that's like a man, that's, her dad's a manly man yes Mr. He, he shook our hand one time and we're just like freak who wants to battle that hand? everybody's like who wants to battle that dude <laughs> forgot what we were sitting out somewhere he goes what's gentlemen he shook our hands and everybody looked like you guys want to battle that dude you better stay away <laughs> yes. uh, and he still like goes to the gym like every day and is yeah did you ever ask yourself like did you ask yourself not like in a, a not in an envious way just like wondering like man will will my dad you know, like accepting the new normal, but asking yourself, will my dad ever change? Did you ever go through those questions and stuff like that? Especially as you're in the late lessons, late years of your adolescence. Yes, and my mom would always say, um, he will make, uh, maybe, you know, I'm struggling because after I say this, you'll find out why, but uh, she's like, he may not be the dad, that, the best dad that he could be, but maybe he'll be the best grandfather. Mm -hmm. And then unfortunately in 2014, my dad passed away. So he wasn't able to be in that role. And so um, it wasn't really until I started uh, going to Al-Anon, which is um, a family and friends, support group for family and friends of alcoholics and so that really allowed me the tools to process and separate the like dad from the alcoholic and be um and have an open heart to uh really connect because there's so many times when i was with him i just felt like the adult so there's a lot of resentment about have feeling like 
it's unfair that you have to be the adult for your parent type of situation. So um, probably the last like two years of his life, I feel like we did a lot of just kind of work with each other to um, rebalance the relationship and also just get that uh, connection that with like, I guess kind of more happy memories because I feel like a lot of it too, growing up, it's easy to remember the outrageous and unfortunate events that you don't remember some of the like good times because it overshadows sometimes the good times. So I feel like being able to do that work with my dad while being in the Al-Anon program allowed me to mend that relationship. So at the time of his passing, I felt very hopeful for the future, mm -hmm. but I, and I obviously would have loved to have seen where we could have been today. However, I am glad that we, that he left this earth as in, in a um, point in his life where we were in a good place. That's good. Did you guys, did he ever tell you he's proud of you? Uh, all the time. Like my dad's a very, um, my dad and I both, uh, our astrological sign is cancers. <laughs> and so we're very like Take emotional. Take your time, yeah. Yeah, so we're just very emotional people. And so my dad um, always would share, I'm proud of you and and just, I love you. And that, like I said, that was a, just always a reinforced message from both my mom and my dad. And I'm thankful that my mom neared that because I feel like it could have been very easy for her to just be like, he's an alcoholic, don't give him the time of day type of situation. Yeah, so she really nurtured that relationship to make sure that you guys still had that type of love. And that's good that you knew that you were loved by him. You know, it's kind of crazy how everyone goes through their their thing, whether it's addiction or anything else, but the love always projected through. Like you never yes. felt like you weren't loved. Exactly. You know, because some, some ladies have different father issues of not having love, but you actually had a dad who truly loved you and let you know that you were loved. What about your brother? What type of sister were you to him? Were um, you that overbearing sister or were you that motherly take care of everything else? Uh, so when my mom always jokes that I grew up a parenting child because I would try to parent my brother. <laughs> and, but when I was at my dad's house, like I was the parent in most cases and so um once we moved to japan and being it being so small so again for like kind of context for listeners i feel like i think japan, um our base had like ten thousand people on it and oh. then um i know that when we were in high school there's like only 400 um kids in the high school so imagine like middle school was probably even less so when we say like everybody knew everybody's business there, that was almost like an understatement because I feel like, and your parents knew and their friends knew, even people who like <laughs> didn't even have kids, like knew the drama. So uh, my poor brother having like me be this like 
have to be a student, have to be involved in everything, and he's just not wired that way. So I remember there'd be a lot of times where our mutual teachers would come up to me and be like, you, I don't know what your brother's deal is, but he just wants to be like this class clown and not take class seriously, and you do, so he'd get a lot of comparison. So he, in some ways, kind of rebelled against that and tried to find like, what where's my purpose in all of this um instead he got like kind of like a reinforced message of like you don't have it together because you're not at the level that your sister's at and uh a family kind of like joke is like max was like what's wrong with me i don't know what i want to be for the rest of my life at 10. because wow. that was like where my drive was and i knew what i wanted to do and i knew at the time the things that i wanted to like that could get me there type of deal and he just yeah it wasn't that way but that's kind of effed up that the teachers would say something like that you know what i mean especially with all these laws now like a teacher should never that psychologically you know what i mean effed up to tell a especially a young boy raised that hey you're not like your sister well, yeah four years older than me yeah and like to put that on me too because i feel like that's another thing too like uh I'm not his mom yeah yeah so just so many things but he ended up maybe um, they thought since you're from kansas that you're gonna spank him because most older <laughs> sisters are spanking their <laughs> get it together most everybody on world stars from kansas and they're just sitting there that's his sister let him fight it's okay yeah we're good no but he ended up um when we moved back to the States, he was in eighth grade for like six weeks there and then went to the same high school as me. And he ended up deciding that he wanted to get a GED instead of um, finishing high school. So he ended up graduating, well, like getting a GED a year ahead of time. And then he still is just kind of figuring out his path and has been taking college courses on and off for like 10 years and so just kind of figuring out what's next for him and he's doing his own thing what's your relationship now is there love there it's like is he does he do you have those moments where you tell your little brother that you're proud of you or do you f still feel like a parent a little bit towards him i thankfully again like i feel like i've really done the work um so i'm a f just very firm believer in um al-anon for as a tool and support group for anybody who has um and we all do have somebody in our lives that has addiction issues yes so um that i did that hardcore for five years and then i have since i moved to midland kind of gone in and out of um various like groups to try and connect with like a home group um, for an Al-Anon group, but any, but I think a, a lot of the work that I did was able to look at both, like, because my brother also has addiction issues, like, be able to um, be with my, or separate, again, the addict from the individual, and so from doing that work, I feel better about just 
having my brother be able to be on his own path and be able to support him and know that he's loved and support him in, in love more than, um, than like, I don't know, there's some things that he does that I'm like, maybe I would do it differently, but also that's his like lesson to learn. And that's super challenging because obviously I did not grow up that way. I grew up, let me fix your problems. So that way you don't have to deal with, you don't have to deal with the fallout. If I can, if I can shield you from knowing something, shield you from having to experience something like I will. So it's, it was, took a lot of work. How do you spell that? We're going to put a link, a link to that now. Alan? A-L dash, um, Al-Anon, A-N-O-N. Oh, Anon, like anonymous. Yes. Oh, we're going to put a link to there, and we're going to put that a link as well toward this at the end of this podcast. So people, especially to the people who are listening, we got a lot of fans from One Tree Hill. So uh, <laughs> it would be. <laughs> they they <laughs> struggle with some addiction issues there too. We have a, we have a heavy, but, heavy, fan, heavy fan base. So yeah. So, but they always hit me up like asking for different things. So Al Anon. And how did you how did you find this group? Like what what were you in college or high I was, school? How did you find this? My find um so it's something that I feel like is like definitely repeated when um there is somebody who either is in a program, so in um, Alcoholics Anonymous or in Al-Anon. So I feel like if they come into their crowd, paths crossed with somebody, they are more likely to mention it, but it's nice because it's never pushy. It's just okay. kind of like, have you thought about it? I've personally, ex you know, benefited from attending meetings and just kind of leave it at that. And that's kind of the way that they share. They, it, people are, you self-attract type of deal, not necessarily you're looking to gain members by any means. And so I like that point of it is, I just am able to walk into any room, A, connect with people, B, talk if I feel like talking, or C, if I don't feel like talking, don't talk, but still know it's a safe place type of deal. So it had been repeated to my mom to go to Al-Anon and so my mom shared that message with me and then again just other people who are in programs um, have shared their um, experience of strength hope in uh, for kind of dealing with uh, addiction issues either themselves and or um, because of a loved one and so I started going to, once I moved to Austin, I started going to a church that was, and I feel like in true Austin fashion, just like offered everything. Like literally <laughs> it's like anything that you can want. There's like a quilt, like how to be a quilter, how to have, you know. Yeah, we call Austin the Brooklyn of Texas. Yes. Like literally the church had every single type of anything that you could want. Like dance classes, public speaking classes. So they really utilized their space 24-7 um, for people to connect outside of the hour that you're at church. And so they have had a list of um, meetings of different things. Like I said, like literally everything from dance to finance to whatever. 
And so they had Al-Anon listed. And so I just thought, okay, I'm going to give this a try. So I went and I had previously tried before, but didn't quite make a connection. And the individuals who were in that room on that day just felt so welcoming. And I didn't speak. And they ended up like giving me a hug. And it was also weird because I had also like just moved to Austin. So I'm outside of like my normal environment where you interact with people so often and you get hugs all the time, but I feel like, and also being single and also living by myself. So I didn't really get the human touch. Mm -hmm. And so I just remember just being like, dang, this is pretty like, I don't know, comforting. And I wasn't expecting that because I don't, I'm not the, I'll hug you if somebody hugs me, you know what I mean? But I'm not like, I just met you, let me give you a hug. But if I know you, I'm like, yes, let me give you a hug. But it, so, I don't know, so it just felt like very, very comforting and very much a safe space. So it just kept coming back. And they also tell you to like go to six meetings before you decide if it's not for you. So I tried other um, meetings because they had like almost, I think, an Al-Anon meeting every day of the week. And so I went to the various ones at that particular church because it was just right down the street from my house. And then I ended up liking the one that I went to that very first day. So I ended up being in that's kind of like my home group. And I just loved it. I went ahead and got um because they have sponsors in Al-Anon just like they do AA. And so I was able to connect with um an older woman who's son and husband were both alcoholics. So I also liked that part because she had two people in her immediate family that she regularly has contact with. Whereas like sometimes people are just in different, you know, places in their journey that they may be divorced from the alcoholic or they may, um, that alcoholic may have passed and they're trying to deal and go through their, just process that. So I just felt like I had a really strong individual who was able to kind of help me on that journey and a great group of individuals who um, were there to be supportive. And, and then my dad ended up passing away uh, about six months into me going into Al-Anon. And it was just like, I couldn't have asked for better timing to have a group of people who a lot of them had been in that situation themselves and also they were there to help without like without judgment or needing something or anything so it was just allowed me to just again be and show up talk if I wanted to talk if I didn't and just know that I had people who were who cared for me you had an immediate support system yes you know, sometimes I think that we have like, especially strong people, people that we figure are strong, we, their support system is like, you know how Saturn is, the planet Saturn, how it's like that, but the rings are so far apart. Like the support system is so far away, but sometimes people need immediate support, you know? Yes. Yeah. Especially being all alone in Texas, you know? So it's a good thing that you had that. So do you find it ironic that your, your life was you know dealing with different addictions in your family but your work you're talking to people who pretty much are almost addiction as well a lot of the people you work with are the people that come visit 
are into it. Like, and especially, especially in the industry that I'm in, I meet a lot of people who are just severely addicted. And when they talk to me, it's like, we know that you're a Christian, Jared. We don't want to hear anything. I, I didn't say nothing. I didn't say anything. Yeah. Else, but I've, but sometimes it's easy to pick up when something, when somebody's not going through things. And I notice that the people who are addicted to something, they look at you because they under, they think they understand that you already know them. Yeah. Yeah. Do you get that a lot when people look at you? Um, I think it's, you? yeah, I think that I have just, a, I tried to have a lot of compassion and empathy because I think that there's, it's really easy to, um, you know, hold hate in your heart, even if it is something that is like temporary. So again, with my brother, I like try to be, I'm in, I'm invested in him as a person, but I'm not invested in like his day-to-day outcomes. Cause I feel like his day-to-day outcomes is where you, you can get disappointed. And so I don't want to live in, uh, world of like negativity so I always say that the best thing I ever did for my brother was get out of his way mm-hmm. and he started like just leaps and bounds being able to take care of things um himself and obviously he's more invested in his life when he's doing it for himself versus me stepping in and being like okay sign you up for all of your classes you know what I mean <laughs> like doing too much and so um so yeah so just being able to be empathetic um and then us but then also to the same coin just being able to like call him out on his bs he even we had a conversation earlier this morning about that and he was like he basically was just like don't think that i'm just this way so you can't call me out on my bs and i was like Mm -hmm. okay (laughs) so Keep that in mind, but um, so it's I growth. think that it's, it's growth. He's growing. Yeah. It's so process. It really is. It really is. So, yeah, I think that though I and it's not something that I share because I feel like I screw up so much with like shame of having an alcoholic father that it was like my secret. I don't want anybody to know, mm-hmm. and um, I wouldn't necessarily come with that forth with that information but then as again I've done the work and I realized like it's not a reflection of me what anybody does in their life like the only reflection of me is what I do in my life and so being able to be comfortable with that and um, also if my story I feel like could be helpful to somebody sharing that but also not necessarily looking to be a poster child if you will (laughs) <laughs> that shows that you're you're selfless. I think that selfless, not selfish, selfless, meaning that I think that most people learn from each other. Most people learn through personal experiences. And people looking at you probably don't understand how strong you are, and they probably don't understand the foundation that you're standing on. You know, no one probably takes the time to be all like, "Man, I wonder what her story is." Like you yeah. just can't. You wonder like. I, I, I have all these friends that are just amazing people, but I'm like, I wonder how they got to this point. So now like, I'm like learning new things. They're like, now this all makes sense. Like, oh, freak. Yeah. She's not your average. She's not your average girl on the video. That's what, uh, <laughs> NDI reset. Yes. 
we we kind of bounce around. I want to go. I want to go to. We're finishing your senior year, right? Mm -hmm. Because this whole podcast is a time capsule year. This is for your great great grandkids. Yeah, I love that. I really love that. Like pull up, like what was my grandmother like in 2020? So high school, your your senior year. Do you go to prom? Do you have that? Yeah, I went. I went to so. I ended up going to four proms. Jesus. Um. And, but it was like over a period of my entire high school career, but it still just was like, I ended up going to two other schools proms. So like by the time, like, and it's, I feel bad for the people who were not able to go to prom this year. Cause I definitely had so much fun at prom, but then once prom season was done, I was like, okay, good. <laughs> so I was dating some um, guy from another school. So went to his prom and went to my prom and then also like a one of my really good friends in high school, she, we met at work in her, um, like, prom group, a guy, like, didn't have a date and wanted um, somebody who didn't go to school with them, so I was like, sure, I'll go, and so, yeah, went to a lot of proms. Probably made his night, you know what I mean? Yeah, it was fun, and it's also, like, funny because he decided to wear, like, a white tuxedo, and I got a spray tan, <laughs> of course, and it was awful. And he was like, asked me if I wore a spray tan like the next day. And I was like, uh, yeah. And he's oh, like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that, when I turned in this tux, that's what they probably said was all over my tux. I'm like, oh, <laughs> sorry. Did you date a Kardashian or something? <laughs> Seriously, though. So you're so we graduate. So all right. So what do you do? You know what you're going to go to college for? Do you know? You're just like, hey, all right. What? How many schools did you apply for? So I wanted to be an interior designer, and that was like what I had wanted to be starting at um, age like ten. And so that now it makes so much sense how organized you were. Yeah, and I was sad when we moved to base housing because we like couldn't paint walls, couldn't really hang up stuff. But I probably rearranged my room. I'd probably say at least like twice some, twice some, or like every other month or so. Um, but I wanted to go to become an interior designer, and I thought that I would go back to Kansas. So K State at the time was my dream school. Applied to K State, was able to get in-state tuition because my dad still lived in Kansas and um, got a scholarship, but it wasn't a full ride. And they had a um, interior design like program that was a minor for their architecture school. So I was thinking, okay, I could maybe turn, get a minor in interior design and get maybe a degree in business or something. So that's kind of what I had thought. And then uh, New Mexico, uh, I also applied to New Mexico State and I looked into graphic design. So I initially signed up for graphic design. And the great thing about New Mexico is if you graduate from a New Mexico high school with a 2.5, you get what they call is a lottery scholarship. And that is um, seven semesters of college 100% paid for. So your tuition paid for. Sweet and Jesus. then that, 
first semester you get what they call is like a bridge or opportunity scholarship. So essentially it pays like, I think like 75%. And then if you're able to get 2.5 or higher then your lottery scholarship kicks in for the remainder of your schooling. So my mom is like, if you want to continue to be involved um, the way that you are, like if you go to K-State, you're gonna have to have a job so you can pay your bills, do things outside of just going to school. And then at New Mexico State, I was able to have enough money to pay for books, to pay for school, and I didn't need um, any additional, I didn't like, and it covered my housing, so I didn't need a job. And um, what a blessing, right? Yeah, Freak like, I know, and so it's just so insane. Like I like more people. I feel like should move to New Mexico because this, because that was just such a such a blessing. It was like you could go to college, have a job, or not go, or go somewhere where you have a free ride. Try this free ride, and if you don't like it, then we'll work towards getting you um, to K-State. So I was like, okay, so I did that and then joined my sorority and got superly involved with the student government and just- Let's pack it up before you join the sorority. Walk us through the first days of campus at New Mexico. What's that like, New Mexico State? Are you staying on campus? Are you staying off campus? You got the jitters being that freshman orientation. What's that? That's walk us through those emotions. I, we were in the brand new, like, freshman dorms, it's called Pinon Hall, <laughs> and they're just, like, very, very, very nice dorms, like, tall ceilings, everything was new, um, and didn't have the wear and tear that many of the other dorms had, so that was really nice, and there were, and again, just kind of being, like, a military kid, and just the getting people together. So everyone that I had gone to high school with, I was, even though we may, we knew each other in high school, but maybe didn't like hang out all the time in high school or outside of high school, got everyone together. And we, I feel like for like the first two weeks before sorority kind of recruitment and stuff like that came about, we all just hung out and did everything together. And it was so much fun because they have Aggie Welcome Week, so it's a week before school starts for freshmen, and you have a counselor. And my counselor was um, was our school mascot, and the school mascot was, is Pistol Pete, and so it's a human. <laughs> yeah, so it's like a cool older um, uh, guy who's also in a fraternity, and he like writes like rides this horse and is our school mascot. So he just seemed, he's and still is like a really nice guy. So I was in his group and it was just so much fun. They had like every day was a different like theme day. They had like a water day for us. Like there was um, like little um, after school things or like in evening things, I guess, like a concert. There was a hypnotist, there was a comedian. So it was really fun. That was dope you didn't feel alone. That's dope you had like a, you know, that same thing. You had that, that system going inside there. So what sorority do you join when you get in there? What did you rush? I ended up rushing Zeta Tau Alpha. Oh, ZTA? Mm-hmm. Oh, there's tons of them in North Carolina, man. <laughs> yeah, so it started in Virginia, so it doesn't surprise me that they like went like this. 
And so um, they just were the, at the time, the only um, women who spoke to me about school too, because everybody was like, we do socials and we do this and blah, blah, blah. And then they were like, we have, we do all this fun stuff, but then also like grades are really important to us. And we've had the um, highest GPA for a women's organization on campus for like four years or whatever at the time. So I knew that that was also a priority to them was scholarship. And so it and just seemed like a really good fit. And so I was really excited and just still to this day, like a lot of my, um, or a lot of my support group are like sorority uh, women. And then also even it's helped since I've moved, being able to connect with women in uh, the community that I live in to, for just camaraderie and also um, philanthropy. So even right now I'm the president of our alum chapter here in Midland. Hey. So, so yeah, so it's been fun. That's dope. So we are in college. When do you get to the point where you're like, you know what, interior design, live music, what happens? What is that that switching point where you switch? Like, maybe I want to go into this field. What moment happens for you to switch? I uh, was an intern for our student government. And the it was, I think every month we switched departments. So you like start off in whatever um, department that you get paired up with. So it's like there's community service, there's um, activities. And so activities kind of covers a lot of things that happen within the student union and homecoming. And then you also have like a division of um, just Senate. So the people who make like the governing rules for the school and student body and there's so a legislative, so uh, people who actually like will go up to like the state capitol and um, advocate for things that involve like higher education. Mm -hmm. And so you, and then there's also a special events department. And so when I got paired with the special events department, um, we, they happened to be hosting our school, um, an LA Kings versus, or no, not LA Kings. Um, thought it was, oh, I can't even remember right now, but hockey, right? Hockey? yeah, so hockey is Kings and it wasn't like the Clippers, but I thought, and it wasn't a definitely not the Lakers, but it was like a purple and white team versus the Dallas Mavericks in basketball. Oh, Sacramento Kings. Thank you. There you go. Sacramento Kings. And the reason why that happened is because uh, Reggie Theus mm -hmm. um, was the former coach at NMSU. So he, Reggie, it was like Reggie Theus Day or whatever. So he like brought that um, professional basketball game. And so I was on the like intern, you know, program that we were doing all of the in-game um events mm -hmm. so like in between the breaks like finding people to like come and do this crazy thing to win pizza or whatever so that was a lot of fun and just that like atmosphere I was like dang this is really really cool and they um the special 
the student special event director at the time was like, yeah, we even do concerts. And I was like, what? You could get paid to do concerts? <laughs> so then I was like, how do I get this job? So ended up um, applying and becoming the assistant director of special events that soft my sophomore year. And then in between freshman and sophomore year, I was like, by interior design and graphic design let me become a business major because at the time that was like really the only avenue that would kind of fit and work and it ended up kind of paying off tenfold because I was able to turn it into a career. Earlier you spoke about a mentor what did your mentor mean to you what was it like when you first met her like because some people have bad mentors but it seems like you had a really good mentor when you started into this business. So I met her um, at the, in the fall of 2008, and this was like my first big concert with the special events um, department in, it, we were hosting Carrie Underwood, oh. and I was the official mint passer outer of anybody who's coming to meet Carrie Underwood. And Jared, once you get to this level, like, please let me be your mint for passer. <laughs> like, no joke. And I still do this now. Like, I, um, even part of my work, I feel like, is, for lack of a better term, babysitting VIPs and meet and greets. So as they're waiting to meet the artist, and I will entertain people, talk to people, let them know what's going on. So I was in that capacity, but um for Carrie Underwood and giving mints to people like oh would you like a mint before you go in and if somebody said no I'm like okay well actually you have to have a mint so <laughs> 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 please take one um so I was waiting and Mother Hubbard was and my mentor's name her name is Barbara Mother Hub and her nickname is Mother Hubbard. I'm about to be like, oh, she's a nun. I thought it was like a nun. <laughs> oh, yeah, no. Bob um, Hope gave her the nickname of Mother Hubbard in the like 70s, early 70s, because he just said that she is, she's like a mother because anywhere you're around her, she just has all these like kind of college kids just like following her and being able to help her out and stuff like that. So she um, was. Uh, I'm going to pause real quick so you can meet my boyfriend. All right, folks, that was part one of Behind the Lights with my dear friend Jenny Van Doren, ladies and gentlemen. If you would like to contact her, she let me know personally. Don't contact her. <laughs> uh, she's, uh, you know, she doesn't want you to get people hitting her up. However, she's so gracious to show us, share it with her story with us, but she would like for you to donate or check out, or donate anything, or go to alanon.org. That's al-anon.org. And we're going to put the link in the description. And who are Alanon members, if you want to know? Because she talked about it as, talked about inside the podcast. Alanon members are people just like you who are worried about someone with a drinking problems. Family members uh, who have the opportunity to learn from experiences from others who've had faced similar problems. Teens come together to share about the experiences that they find affect the ways to cope with problems. And self-assessment quizzes designed to help you decide whether Alanon or Alateen might be able to help. So we're going to put the link inside the bio description. And ladies and gentlemen, on Friday, we'll be dropping part two of Behind the Lights. Ladies and gentlemen, my name is Jared Waters. 
This is the podcast One Man, One Tree in a Hill. My dear friend, Mr. Roland Dojo, will take us out with this music. Hey, you're live on the podcast One Man, One Tree in a Hill. Say what up to the people. Now, this is when I see black excellence. It's Kenan Thompson. And I see this giant butt. I'm like, oh, who is that? It turns out it's Quest Love. It's Dave Chappelle, Chris Rock. Eddie Murphy, and they're all sitting at the table, and I walk up to Eddie Murphy, and I was like, hey, Mr. Murphy, I just want to say you're the GOAT, man, and you're the coldest that ever walked the face of the earth. You got to break that thing over. She wants it private, but y'all not even together right now. So we haven't spoken about anything but the cat for at two least months. two months. And then I said, and I said uh-uh, and I'll be the next Jamar Neighbors. And she was up like, I know that's right. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening to the podcast. My name is Jerry Waters, and I'll catch you next time. Like, subscribe, rate the podcast. Have a wonderful night, wonderful day, whatever you're listening to. I'll see you soon.